Hi, I'm Heather Mulder. And I'm Janice Greeno, and you're listening to Dementia Untangled, where we explore the topic of dementia through conversations with physicians, experts, and community leaders. Our discussions focus on innovative ideas, practical strategies, and proven methods to guide caregivers along a supportive path. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Untangled. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of our podcast. Today, our conversation will be with Dr. Gary Schmidt, a retired primary care physician and former medical director at a long-term care community who is currently living with Lewy body dementia. And we're going to be discussing that diagnosis. You know, Janice, Lewy body dementia is one dementia that I think the general community is not very aware of, um, but it's actually the second most common type of irreversible dementia after Alzheimer's disease. Currently, there are over 1 million Americans who are diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. And it actually is characterized by these protein deposits called Lewy bodies, which anyone who's familiar with Parkinson's disease, you might recognize that term. Now, Lewy body dementia affects regions of the brain that control memory and thinking, but it also then affects your motor control, the movement areas of someone's brains. So beyond the cognitive changes in memory and thinking that we associate with Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, people with Lewy body dementia will also have sleep difficulties, movement changes similar to Parkinson's disease, also fluctuating attention and visual hallucinations. Unfortunately, sometimes it takes someone famous living with a disease to help raise awareness. So Lewy body may be familiar to some of our listeners because recently we've lost people like Robin Williams and Tom Seaver who have helped shed light on this disease. It's a disease that can be difficult to diagnose but we know that getting an accurate diagnosis is critical. You know, Heather, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's a disease that is so hard to understand. And we are so grateful to get some insight on it today with Dr. Gary Schmidt sharing his own personal story with us. And we found out about Dr. Schmidt who practiced medicine, like you said, over 37 years as a primary care physician and then as a medical director from our colleagues at the Lewy Body Dementia Association. So check out the LBDA website. And if you wanna find out more, uh, his story is A Doctor Discovers Louis, and it's sharing about how he has found that life still has so much to offer, even after a diagnosis like Lewy body dementia. And one of the things that we read on the LBDA website was that he continues to educate himself more. And as he did that, his outlook on life improved. And he also participates in the LBDA weekly Facebook group where he connects with others and shares his story. And I love it when he shares that um, this group is the highlight of his week, Heather. Welcome, Gary. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here so I can share to others 
what what Lewy body is and how it affects me and how it affects others. That sounds great. But before we get started with that, you have a really interesting background. So I would love to learn a little bit more about your journey and what led you to connect with the dementia community. Well, as you stated, I've been seeing people with geriatrics for a long time and realized how little I knew uh, about it until I started making mistakes and things started happening that wasn't normal. Uh, in hindsight, probably started over 12 years ago when I developed a disrupted REM sleep and hit my wife in the face a couple of times and fell out of bed a couple of times. Didn't connect that. Then my voice uh, started softening probably about four years ago. And I lost my sense of smell three years ago. Uh, but it wasn't until I started having problems with remembering places. We'd go out to eat at a favorite restaurant here in Green Bay. And I could not tell you the name of the restaurant. And if you ask me now, I couldn't tell you the name of the restaurant. I can tell you it's an Irish pub on the river. I can tell you how to get there. I can tell you what's on the menu. I can't remember the name. We're in the process of, of moving uh, for third or fourth time in uh, just a few years. And I got really anxious talking to the banker, talking to our financial advisor. Uh, and when we finally moved, uh, I had difficulty hanging pictures. I, I couldn't figure out how to space the nails, especially when there was two nails to hang and three pictures to put in a row. Things that never bothered me before. Uh, we went on a, a medical uh, missionary trip to Costa Rica where I was leading it. We had 19 people with us, some teenagers, and something I would have never done before is I forgot to double check the departure time uh, from Costa Rica and got to the airport four hours after our, our plane left. And so here we were stranded uh, with 19 people. It all worked out okay. But at that point, we decided we would, there's something going on we needed to look at. Uh, we talked to a primary care physician who recommended I get a, a, a neuropsych evaluation, which as a care provider, if you've never had one, you should experience it. Uh, it is six hours of, of exhausting questions uh, and very humbling. Part of that test is was something that I minister to many of my patients. Uh, she came to the person administering the test, asked me to draw a picture. I looked at her and I said, a clock? And she says, yes, you've been prepared. I said, for sure. And she says, I want you to draw a clock at 11.10. So I drew this perfect picture of a clock. The, the circle was perfect. I spaced out the number circle. Now, what does the big hand go on? What does the little hand go on? Does it go on the 11 or the 10? Uh, as you know, that's wrong. I didn't realize at that time, but I drew it with one of the hands on 11, one of the 10. Uh, had a hard time doing, putting pieces together as in a puzzle uh, mm -hmm. to make a definite shape. Got done with the, exam with the test and they told me, well, you failed the clock test. I told them exactly what I had done, what my thinking was. I knew what I had done wrong. Uh, and I think that's one of the problems with Louis bodies is when you make a mistake, 
you realize it and you remember it. And, and that weighs on you. Uh, he told me I had mild cognitive impairment, but a lot of the tests I did was not up to par uh, with some of my education. Uh, one saw a neurologist and he said, well, you have, disrupt you have the disrupted REM sleep, you have mild cognitive impairment, get a really nice exam and said, well, you don't have Parkinson's. After that, I did, but you might get into uh, Louis Bodies. And I got home and I knew what Louis Bodies was, or at least I thought I knew what Louis Bodies was because I experienced people with it at end stage in the nursing home. And it was kind of devastating because I didn't want to be that grumpy old man that those people sometimes we turn into. So it was sobering, it was really disruptive. Uh, we started on some medication. One fact, saw the neurologist, gave him a list of uh, 18 different symptoms I had. He still said, no, I don't see any Parkinson's. Wasn't sure what he should do with all the symptoms. And I talked to some people at the Lewy Body Dementia Association and a doctor uh, who, a neurologist, retired neurologist who actually has Lewy Bodies. And I came to the conclusion, that's what I had. And talking to my primary care doctor, we, we, made that, uh, we made that diagnosis. That's how I got to where I am. Uh, I've made contact with the Louis Body Dementia Association uh, and been working with them, been talking to many people, educating myself and realizing how little I knew about the disease, realized how little many people uh, don't know about it, neighbors, family, uh, healthcare providers. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm here right now is to be able to help people understand what it is and uh, to know that when you hear the word Louis by dementia, it doesn't mean that person is demented. What an interesting story, Gary. And I, I don't think for people living with Louis body dementia, it's that uncommon because we often hear about the very first signs are this sort of REM sleep disturbance, which you said happened over a decade ago, started happening. Uh, I'm curious on this journey to ultimately get to the diagnosis of Lewy body dementia, can you talk about the different doctors that you went to over time? What was kind of your thought process as symptoms developed? The unfortunate thing with Lewy bodies is that there's not a specific test that you do. There's not a blood test, an x-ray. Uh, there are things that point toward it. I had a, a PET scan done, there's an MRI done of my brain. MRI showed that I did have some vascular changes. Had the PET scan, which if it's positive, it's helpful. If it's negative, it doesn't mean anything. Mine was negative. So I've seen the neurologist. I've seen uh, my primary care physician, who interestingly was a medical student who, who trained under me for, three, for two months. Uh, and he's comfortable caring for me. Uh, most people are seeing a neurologist, maybe a psychiatrist, uh, a counselor, the primary care doctor, my problem is I know too much uh, and I've studied too much. Uh, so 
I haven't seen anyone. I see my primary care doctor every three months. Uh, I haven't seen the neurologist for over a year, but we're, we're, we're working through it. Uh, there's no specific medication that we would take or treatment we would have at this point uh, to, to treat the disease other than the symptoms. Uh, the tests that are now being studied, uh, such as looking for uh, the alpha-synuclein protein in the spinal fluid or in the peripheral nerves through a skin biopsy, uh, are going to be helpful in helping point people toward that diagnosis. But it's the hard part about it is many people see two or three doctors, neurologists, and get two or three different diagnoses, and then you're lost. What? What do I have and who do you believe? Do you believe the first one, the second one, or the third one? Uh, it's confusing for people. And I guess I would say, find the doctor who you trust the most and who you're confident in and take the lead. Knowing that you have this disease, knowing that uh, you're not gonna be cured of it, uh, knowing that there's gonna be symptoms that come and go, and there's gonna be medications that need to be, uh, need to be tweaked. We've heard so many stories like this, and I heard you speak to this just a little bit, but how did or how does your background as a physician help you or maybe sometimes even hinder you? Well, it hindered me at first because I knew what I was up, up to, uh, up, uh, up against, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, it made me really upset. Uh, and it, and it continues to bother me. I still get anxious at times and depressed. I don't have the crying spells that I did before, probably thanks to the effectser. But I think sometimes healthcare providers, uh, when you have a symptom, you, you try to find a diagnosis and it doesn't always work that way. Uh, it helps me in that I can talk to people maybe with a little bit more authority. They know I'm a retired physician. Uh, and they, they'll listen a little more. Patients, uh, people I've talked to have a little more confidence that way. But it, it helps me because I've done a lot of studying myself and I know what I'm up against. Uh, I know what my wife is up against, my family's up against. Uh, she's just a retired nurse and it still makes it trouble. She knows what I'm going through. She knows the things that's happening to me uh, are part of the disease but it doesn't necessarily make it any more comfortable for us. I think that's really interesting insights. Um, I'm curious to learn more. You've mentioned a whole variety of symptoms that you're experiencing because of Lewy body, the sleep disturbance, um, occasionally trouble with word finding. You'd mentioned a time with crying spells and anxiety. Can you help us just have a clearer picture of how does Lewy body impact your day-to-day -day life? Well, I can go through a list of about 19 different symptoms. Oh, I'll take that back. That was the first time. I did made it up today again. It was, there's 28 symptoms I have that I could I can relate to Lewy bodies. Uh, but every day I am taking more medication now than I ever wanted any one of my patients to take, but it's helping. I have this continuous runny nose uh, I have loss of sense of smell. Uh, I love coffee. Uh, and three years ago, I found out I couldn't smell coffee. 
there's been two times I've gone into a coffee shop or opened up a bag of coffee and I could smell it for a split second and then it was gone. I said, that's what it was. I can't, my, my mouth is dry. I have a slow swallow uh, reflex. So I've aspirated twice where I've had to go on antibiotics for an uh, aspiration pneumonitis. I have problems with the executive function. If I get disrupted, I have a set plan of things that I'm doing. Uh, if I get up in the morning to take a, uh, a shower and shave and brush my teeth and something disrupts me, I'll forget to do something. Uh, I went to church this Sunday without my hair being combed. I found that I've gone into our laundry room to go to the bathroom. Luckily, I realized where I was before I used it. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's things like that. I'm weaker. My, my feet always burn and are weak. Uh, we're a year and a half ago. Uh, it took me 45 minutes to mow our lawn. Uh, this last summer, it was taking me an hour and a half with a couple of rests. Uh, I walk up a flight of stairs, I get about three quarters of the way up, and I get my, my legs feel like I've walked up many flights of stairs. I've had GI symptoms where I, uh, I think uh, this, this hasn't been proven to me yet, but uh, I know that with the autonomic system being affected, it can affect uh, your the flow of food through the stomach and the intestines and uh, the esophagus. And I've got a lot of reflux, uh, acid reflux, and I have constipation and bloating sensations. Yeah, and you know, my gait is slower. Uh, I have an apathy. This, this, this really bugs me and my wife because she'll say, why don't you do something, why don't you do laundry go do laundry and I said okay I walk by a chair and I sit down uh, and she'll say why haven't you done that yet I said because there's a chair here uh, and, I, and I finally get to it when I do it it's good uh, when I uh, I can do it for but takes time uh, but I just don't want to do things uh, we're going on a couple of trips this this spring. We're actually going to Glendale, Arizona. Uh, for hey, the, you're going to come out to see us. You bet. Uh, it's warmer there. Uh, right. <laughs> we also have you know, we have some family that live out there. But, you know, I could stay home. I'd be okay. The one thing that's affected my life more than anything is, uh, is driving. I have a problem with focusing when something is moving. Two examples, a soccer game where three girls were running across the field in front of the net. The net was focused, but the girls were blurred. Cars moving toward me will look blurry. If we're seeing still, it's fine, but they'll look blurry for a while. It's not that I can't see them, but they're fuzzy. And that's, that's progressing. And I think that's because the focusing of the eyes goes okay because I've had an eye exam, but it doesn't get transmitted into the brain. When it gets to the brain, uh, it slows down so much, the transmission between the cells slows down so much that it's, things don't focus right away. Uh, so 
I've had I've had to give up most of the driving. I've told my wife, I told my family that I would never make them or my doctor tell me that I can't drive. We'll make that decision together. And as hard as it is, and as hard as it is sitting in the right-hand seat of the car and not giving directions to the left-hand seat, we do it. I can drive you know, within our neighborhood, uh, but probably not at night. Uh, I don't know what my reflexes, reflex time is, but that's been hard because it limits what you can do. You lose that independence. With 28 symptoms and with you living those, did I understand that right? The last you read 28 symptoms? Yep, that's what it is. But you know that some of them are so minor and as, as are my mistakes that I make, uh, like, like going into the wrong room or forgetting a name. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing is devastating, uh, but it's, and people will say, I do that all the time. I said, but you don't do it five, six times a day. And I used to complain about my face being tight to my wife all the time or my tongue burning all the time. I don't do that anymore because it's just part of my life. When something new happens, I've told her. Uh, I've told her I would not hold anything back from her. Um, she realizes that. I've been very open with friends around me. So it's, uh, it, it's something you, you, you have to live with, but it, it's not the end of, of living. And Gary, you have mentioned your lovely wife a couple of times. And I'm wondering how Lewy body dementia has affected her and the people who care about you. Well, she doesn't have Lewy bodies, but yes, she does. Mm. And, and she's a retired RN who worked uh, in, in hospice. And so she's seen uh, elderly people a lot. But yet when I misinterpret a tone of voice, and react defensively, it, it, it bothers her. And I don't want to do that. She realizes the disease, uh, but yet it's, it's something that uh, we realize that we have to work on, which we are continuing to work on. Uh, she's now the primary care driver. It's kind of interesting. We just bought a new car. She was the first signature. That's never happened before. I've always been the first signature. Mm. Uh, but we still, still our car, but she drives it more than I do. Being a retired RN, she knows the symptoms I'm going through. And we joke about it. I said, you're never going to put me in a nursing home because you know how to do all those good things that nurses have to do to, 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 to the patients that they're caring for. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so she's stuck with me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and my family is very caring too. You know, they, they uh, my son-in-law will call me periodically and just ask me, how are you doing? Uh, what's going on? They live 20 minutes away from us, uh, which, is, which is, I'm sorry, 10 minutes away from us. 10 minutes and seven roundabouts away from us. And they'll be in the neighborhood and just stop by and to find out how we're doing. Uh, I've been very open with them. I'll send them a text in the morning or sometimes when something has changed or something else has happened, let them know oh, what's going on. Uh, so they're very, very comfortable with this. I'm, 
I'm probably more open than a lot of people are. Uh, they're afraid to tell people what they have. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, as we were talking before, uh, that I, I want to let people know what's going on. I want to, I've been trying to find what good can come from this. Uh, there's a verse that I fell into when I had prostate cancer 12 years ago is uh, Romans 8.28, where it says, uh, God tends all things for good. Uh, to those who believe, and that's paraphrasing. But when I had prostate cancer, well, what good can come from prostate cancer? Well, within the next three years, two or three years, I saw six to eight men who had prostate cancer, so I was able to, to share with them. And now, uh, what good can come from Lily bodies? Well, this podcast, uh, my ability to be able to talk to people, to communicate with people, uh, and then to educate them and educate myself. Uh, about what's going on. I think that's so important to share because often it's hard, as you said, to separate the symptoms of the disease from the person who has it. And I know you have often talked about the importance of education to really understand what you're facing. I wonder if you could share what are other strategies that have helped you face the changes that accompany Lewy body dementia, whether it be your social connections, a faith community, other resources? When I was first told that I had mild cognitive impairment, uh, they, they told me that there was four things you need to do, uh, four important things. The first and most important is the exercise. Uh, so we live a mile and a half away, one street away from one go and drive around one street, which I can still drive to from the YMCA. So I go to the YMCA frequently and I still continue to try to do work outside. You need to stimulate your brain, uh, stimulate your brain by doing word games, reading, expand, expand your knowledge. Uh, you need to, I'm forgetting the fourth one, uh, but you need to socialize with other people, which has been hard to do uh, with uh, with this, this, this virus that we have, but still do it. We still do it through Zoom. We've been able to get together with our family. Uh, we have just started going back to our, our church, uh, though we're really hesitant to doing that because the virus is running rampant uh, here in Wisconsin. And, but we do that, and when we do that, that's good. And when I'm able to talk to you, I'm able to talk to other members, other people who have Lewy bodies and see how it's affecting them. Uh, that has helped me as well. You know, you've learned so much. And I wonder when you reflect on everything that you've learned in this focused education of what is going on with me, um, what can the medical community learn from your experience? Well, first of all, I think you need to forget that word dementia and realize uh, that that's a, a real person there. You have to realize that you're probably, unless the person has the Parkinsonian symptoms with the tremor and with the cogwheeling and the shuffling gait and the mask faces, you're not going to find anything uh, that is. Uh, on physical exam. 
you need to listen to them, listen to their symptoms, uh, and realize that the symptoms they have may not be present today. They were there this morning, but they're not there now. Uh, they'll probably be there sometime in the future again. Uh, but when you're seeing them, listen to their history. Uh, and don't be tied down to checking the boxes of having dementia, having disrupted REM sleep, having hallucinations. Uh, the hallucinations that people have uh, are not always the hallucinations of people or animals very well defined that reoccur. They sometimes can be just voices. They can be uh, smells. Uh, they, they can see things. Uh, so uh, it's, that's not part of the diagnosis. The diagnosis, but they can be. You know, before we started today, you mentioned about uh, an, when you moved into your neighborhood and you shared <laughs> with your neighbors about your Lewy body dementia and how it might impact you. Can you tell a little bit about when you met your neighbor and let her know? Yeah, I've, I've, I've made a, a point being very open about my disease. I go up to the neighbors and I say, uh, my name is Gary Schmidt. And they'll tell you their name and I'll say, well, next time I meet you, uh, I won't remember your name. So introduce yourself again. Uh, and if you see me wandering around the neighborhood, uh, looking lost, point me in the right direction. As one neighbor said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you you came down here to mow, mow my lawn. Uh, <laughs> and so we, yeah, so we joke about that. I said, she works at the Y and we, we joke about her lawn game mode. And uh, but it's, it, it helps make, as you said before, it helps make connections with people. And I think it's important that people around you know what's going on because something's going to happen. I may fall in the street. Uh, I may get lost. I have gotten lost. Uh, but uh, it's, it's important to, to be a real person and to help other people understand what's going on. And speaking of helping other people, you also are part of a group called Louie Buddies, where you connect to other people who have new, been newly diagnosed. The Louie Body Dementia Association has a helpline. Uh, and if you call that number, that line, uh, they'll ask you for your name, phone number, and Brandy, who normally responds to you within, uh, within a minute or two will answer whatever questions you have. If that person is new with a disease and would like to talk to someone, uh, they have a group of people throughout the, the United States uh, who are called Louie Buddies. And they ask us to connect with that person and talk to them on the phone and tell them what our experiences are, ask them and help them get through the maze of things that they're going through. It's been fun. I've been talking to the three or four gentlemen uh, through the Louis Body Association, we've made kind of made contact with people who have the disease, who are look more normal than I am. They're well educated, uh, but their symptoms are far more devastating than I am. But they're still functioning, uh, and that's important for everyone to know that you can feel bad, uh, but still go on with your life. Gary, I have learned so much from our conversation in this short time. 
I wonder if you could share with us maybe one final thought on living with Lewy body dementia. The final thought I would have is that realize that the person who has Lewy bodies is a person who's still living an active life. Treat them as a person. Uh, realize that they're still functioning, uh, that you don't have to be afraid of them and be patient with them because they're not gonna be able to talk as fast as you are. Today, our conversation has been with Gary Schmidt, a retired primary care physician who is currently living with Lewy body dementia. Gary, I'm so grateful for your time and your insight in the conversation today and helping us untangle life with Lewy body. Well, thank you for inviting me and thank you for allowing me to share my story. Thank you so much, Gary, for um, being with us on the podcast today. It's been wonderful having you. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you, Heather, for another great conversation. And thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you for joining us. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Dementia Untangled and share this podcast. I'm looking forward to our next conversation on Dementia Untangled. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dementia Untangled. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dementia Untangled is hosted by Heather Mulder and Janice Greeno, produced and edited by Amber Ayers, and is brought to you by Banner Alzheimer's Institute and Banner Sun Health Research Institute. We are supported by generous donations to the Banner Alzheimer's Foundation. Please visit our website at banneralz.org and follow us on Facebook to learn about upcoming events. If you have questions or comments, please email us at dementiauntangled at bannerhealth.com. Mm -hmm.